You are Locked On Hawks, your daily Atlanta Hawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, friends. Welcome to episode 847 of the Lots on Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Roland. It is Friday evening, and I will be joined momentarily by Brian Schroeder of Dime to continue a series on the top prospects in this class with a discussion about Anthony Edwards. By the way, if you missed it earlier this week, Brian and I already discussed LaMelo Ball and James Wiseman in this space. Prior to that, I was joined by Fred Katz of The Athletic earlier this week to talk about Davis Bertans and some other offseason stuff for the Hawks. Plenty of good stuff happening on the podcast and a great time to subscribe. So thank you as always for joining us. Before we get to Brian, one bit of news on this fine Friday, and it was actually sort of a multi-layered news release that you probably saw if you listened to this podcast, but if you did not, I'll catch you up now. Midday on Friday, ESPN's quartet of Adrian Wojnarowski, Zach Lowe, Tim McMahon, and Brian Winhorst released a report detailing a bunch of interesting stuff with regard to the 2020 21 NBA season, so the upcoming campaign that is uh, still without a start date officially. At last check, Commissioner Adam Silver's public comments were that the league wanted to have an 82-game regular season in their home markets and in front of fans, if at all possible. But this report and others today put a lot of scenarios on, on the table that weren't necessarily publicly discussed prior to today. There was a Board of Governors meeting on Friday with discussions, yes, discussions planned for scenarios that included less than 82 games and not wanting... Uh, not sorry, not waiting for fans to open the, se- the season necessarily, and also the goal to start as quickly as possible. That was the original reporting from ESPN. Then that that report also mentioned Christmas as a as a potential start date. From there, Mark Stein of the New York Times tweeted that that idea was quote gaining momentum in the league, particularly w- with regard to broadcast partners like ESPN and Turner. And by the way. If they're not going to have fans, it does make logical sense that TV partners will be more prominently involved in the discussion because that's the main revenue source without fans in the buildings is the TV product. So you obviously are going to be wanting to listen to your partners in that way. And presumably they'd be able to add fans later in the season, but I'm not going to get into that necessarily because I'm not an expert on the timeline of all that. So I'm not even going to try to guess how that might go. But regardless, later in the afternoon, Sham Sarani of The Athletic reported a date even earlier than Christmas, and that was December 22nd as the league's potential target to start next season. With a 72-game season in place for that proposal, that would, that would finish before the Olympics actually start in late summer. Um, Shams re- also reported and uh, mentioned a drive internally to get the league back on its normal schedule of that, like you know, late fall, early winter, all the way through the summer schedule. And then also later on, he referenced a $500 million revenue difference in between um, starting after Christmas and starting before Christmas, which is presumably driven by you know. TV revenue, etc. I'm not really sure how that all works necessarily, but there you go on that. A half a billion dollars definitely matters in this, in this, in this equation. ESPN later echoed that 72-game number, mentioned a range of 70 to 72 to be, to be specific there, and Woj reported a discussion, quote, about playing something resembling more of a baseball series to limit travel outside the bubble, end quote, with an example of teams playing the Knicks and the Nets in one trip. Also, presumably the same with other local franchises, and that's obviously for discussion at this point in time, but the last piece of uh, actual reporting that was out there was that Woj noted that All-Star Weekend, scheduled for Indianapolis in February, is definitely uh, a potential cut for the league, which I think is pretty obvious, honestly, but it was still probably worth noting, because that's, uh, you know, middle of the season, etc., and if that's not a fan-driven event, there's no reason really to have it. Um, With that said, before I say anything else about this, I want to stop now and emphasize that none of this, and I mean none of this, 
has been approved or is official through the Players Association. They were going to have a big say in what ultimately happens here. So this is all on the league slash Board of Governors side. The players have not weighed in that I have seen at this point in time on Friday evening. So keep that very much in mind throughout this whole process. So the problem with Christmas, or even before Christmas, is that the rest of the league's calendar does not make it easy to pull that off. There's a lot of pushback publicly that I've seen already as a result of that. The draft is still scheduled right now for November 18th. Um, that could, I guess, conceivably change, but they announced that date. ESPN's announced that date, promoted that date. It seems like they uh, are going to want to move forward with that date specifically. I guess they could move it up conceivably, but it doesn't seem like it's going to be the case necessarily right now. I know it's going to seem crazy to have that date where it is still you know, four weeks away almost, but that's still in stone right now as far as I know. From there, free agency could maybe start a few days later. But you're still talking about late November at the earliest for free agency, and that's a, a pretty interesting timeline with regard to the season starting on December 22nd. So starting the season six weeks or less after the draft is pretty aggressive under any circumstances, and that especially does not take into account that you know two teams, the Heat and the Lakers, played until mid-October this year. So very narrow offseason for those, for those teams, obviously. Um, you still have to have training camp as well, even if you don't have a preseason, preseason game necessarily. Um, rosters have to be finalized at some point, and, you know, free agency won't be too long, probably. You could have sort of a quick and, um, I guess, a fast free agency period, but still, you have to have some sort of break there, and also, just training camp, you have to ramp up in some way, especially for the teams that have not been playing. So, anyway, it's it's pretty interesting to consider all of the factors in place. ESPN's piece did talk about the fact that some teams that don't see Christmas as a feasible date, honestly, and that's also my first reaction, but if they want it bad enough, maybe they can probably pull this off. I think, by the way, it's also good to point out that, as a reminder... October 30th is currently the deadline for CBA modifications between the league and the players, and the Players Association is still very prominently involved in this whole thing. They may not be in, they may not be on board for this quick this, this quickly. I know the, the revenue leak from Shams is definitely relevant, and the players want to get all their money. With that said, you know MLK Day is, is a popular date. That date is even fast, honestly, when considering the usual timeline. But Christmas is very, 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 very aggressive. So. Also, the league also famously told the players they would give them eight weeks' notice before the season started. And October 30th is exactly eight weeks from Christmas. And uh, December 22nd is actually you know less than eight weeks from, from Christmas. So, I don't know. This is all sort of thrown together at this point in time. It's going to change, I'm sure, a hundred times between now and the actual announcement of a timeline. But as of Friday night, that's where we are. So, usually, training camp does not start for about three months after the draft. So, you have the draft, usually late, late June, training camp, and late September. Three months between draft and training camp. And usually in that scenario, you have the preseason as well to sort of ramp things up. This time around, though, it would be the regular season, not preseason, not training camp. The regular season opener would be about six weeks after the draft. And that's pretty crazy and pretty fast. Um, Again, not not impossible, but certainly a lot of things to uh, navigate here as they try to maybe pull this off. So that's the latest We'll keep you updated on, on this. Obviously, the Hawks specifically would be one of the teams that would probably not be as bothered about this because they are um, not playing for so, so long now. And the layoff is one where they probably would be less affected than a team like the Lakers or the Heat. With that said, the Hawks have a lot of business that, that they could be doing with, with regard to free agency and trades and salary dumps and salary um, acquisitions, etc. So if they're hurried, that may not be ideal for Atlanta. So there's pros and cons there, but regardless... We'll see what we'll see how they all how they all uh, stack up here. But there was a flurry of news during the day on Friday, and hopefully that sort of takes you through all of it. I'd recommend reading the pieces from Shams and ESPN as well to sort of detail all the things that have gone on 
And again, if you listen to this later in the weekend, things could have changed by now. Check on Twitter, check on uh, the major news sites, but that's where we are on Friday evening, so uh, there you go on that. Okay, before we get to Brian and a discussion by Anthony Edwards, I'll pass along a word from our sponsors on today's podcast, and the first of which is Built Go. Whether it is a mental or a physical wall, I can break through it with Built Go every single day. Built Go is a healthy replacement for your energy drink, and the energy is anything but fake. Instead, it's both lasting and natural. Built Go is easy to take in one and a half ounce packages. You can put it in your briefcase, your golf bag, or your pocket to get you through whatever you're facing today. And Built Go is essentially a five-hour energy without the same feeling of a crash. Plus, it's natural and it's better for the body as a result. There are three delicious flavors to choose from in chocolate mint, peanut butter honey, and chocolate coconut. And Built Go is loaded with the good stuff to ignite your work. Listeners of the podcast will perhaps know that I have multiple jobs that I have to tend to at all times. And sometimes... I need a little bit of extra to get me through the day and the night, but Built Go is fantastic in being a solution to that and breaking through my own wall. In order to try it for yourself, visit BuiltGo.com. Use the promo code LOCKED to get 30% off your next order. Use the promo code LOCKED for 30% off at BuiltGo.com. Let's go. And as a quick reminder here, the discussion between Brian and I on Edwards was part of a larger discussion that I actually had with Brian that I'm breaking down into, into separate parts. So if you're a new listener, go back and check out the ones previously about um, LaMelo Ball and James Wiseman. Keep that in mind throughout this conversation. Also, I'll wrap it up at the end with an outro of some sort. But at any rate, here is Brian Schroeder and I talking about Anthony Edwards. All right, Brian, let's let's go to Anthony Edwards now, uh, who is, of course, the local, the local guy here in... Uh, Atlanta slash Georgia and pre-lottery was the guy that I think most Hawks fans were hoping they were going to get. That that ship has probably sailed now, barring a trade-up, which Travis Schlenk is, um, has a history now of trading up. Um, so it's not like he couldn't do that. But there's a reason why he is in this sort of category with Ball and Wiseman is because of uh, just where the, where the draft sort of finds him. Edwards is a weird player too. What, what do you make of Edwards? Like, do you have him He's in that same time top tier? Uh, yeah, I have him, I think at five, he's weird because he has athletically, he's incredibly gifted. He can hit like that Michigan state game is one of the better prospect games of this year. He just went nuts. He started hitting, he started hitting like Bradley Beal threes. He was just going crazy. He just is not, but he just doesn't have, I don't think he's not going to be a number one scorer. He just doesn't have the wire. Like, he has the wiring to, he wants to do it. It's like waiters a little bit where he's just not going to be able to do it. Um, but again, he is a little bit younger than a lot of his peers, and he is he's the boom bust guy because if he does work out, if you can hammer out some of his bad tendencies, which there are a lot, he could end up being like a twenty game twenty a game scorer who's like strong and good at defense and does enough peripheral stuff to be like an all star. He can also he could be waiters or he could be I mean how many other uh, what's his name from uh, the Celtics took the Kentucky guy it's James, uh, James Young. <laughs> Yeah, James Young was like the greatest athlete in the world. Remember, that was the thing about him. He's the greatest athlete that's ever lived. And then he was out of the NBA. Now, Wiseman, uh, uh, Ant Man will be better than that, but like, because he can shoot. His biggest problem is he's. You see this six five two thirty guy, and he looks like our linebacker. And when he gets out in the open floor, he absolutely pummels people. He gets right to the rim and dunks like crazy. He has problems. He doesn't get to the rim in half court very well. And I was actually talking about this with people who are like biomechanic people. He has a weird thing where his armpits, he kind of hunches his armpits up. And I think it makes it harder for him to turn his upper body and like get past people to do the Shea Gilders Alexander thing that Shea's so masterful at. He can't do that really. And so it kind of makes him like RJ Barrett was where he just kind of has to run into people and hope that they fall over. And like 6'5", 230 is a huge human being. You're, it's not very big in the NBA. 
you, can, you know, you're not LeBron. LeBron did that. LeBron got away with that for a while because he's LeBron. RJ Barrett didn't get away with it. Now, Anthony Edwards is a better shooter, but RJ's better at basically everything else. So, I don't know. I think in a normal draft, he'd be the guy you take at like seven or eight. He'd be the guy that the, the Hornets take, and you're like, ooh, super talented. And then he ends up being like Malik Monk, where he's fine. But I do think I do think the Hawks would have been if he can, if he slips to them, or they can maybe trade up a couple spots. I do think that's kind of an interesting spot as far as all the top five-ish teams because they don't need him to be a number one scorer. They they have that. They have the number one guy. So he could he could just kind of hang out and shoot spot ups for a while while he figures out how to like maneuver around pick and rolls. He's very young. So I, I wouldn't be if they traded up like one or two spots and didn't give up anything crazy for him, like anything less than Herder, I think I'd be I think I'd be fine with it. I think it'd be an interesting gamble. Um, but as far as like the, uh, one of the other really like the Bulls, the Bulls take him. I'll be probably depressed for a while because <laughs> he's just not. Yeah, he's just he's. Like, I don't think there's any guarantee he'll be better than Levine. Oh no, that, definitely, that definitely not. I'd be yeah. surprised if he's that good. It definitely, definitely not guaranteed like, by uh, any means. I mean, he. I agree with you. By the way, something I said, people are probably laughing because they've heard me say this before. What you kind of just said there, like, if I was, I think for Edwards' own sake, he'd be better off going somewhere like Atlanta or like Golden State, where he's not going to be yeah. the number one option. I've always thought that about him. The problem is like. At the moment, he doesn't really do a lot of other things well. So he has to either develop a lot of secondary stuff, including defense, of course, or he's going to get thrown in the deep end as a number one option and not be good enough to do it. I do think yeah. that if, if yeah. the Hawks were going to trade up for one person, it would be Edwards, logically. I'm not the biggest Edwards guy. I think you're not either necessarily. But even then, even as I say that, I have still said, if they were going to trade up for one person, it's probably Edwards, just logically, for where their roster is and all that stuff. But even then, like, I – if you have to go up to the top two to get him, that's a lot harder than if he starts to fall. Oh, but I, I think he's gonna. I think he's. I think he's gonna be gone. Honestly, I mean, I could be wrong, but I'd be surprised if he was still if he's still on the board at four. Yeah, it seems like it. Definitely seems like uh, he, whoever he and, and Wiseman is around, is not getting past Michael Jordan. Okay, that's what it seems like. Oh yeah. Um, which <laughs> I'd be pretty surprised I, if uh, if the Hornets took like Denny. I'd be pretty surprised by that. That'd be that'd be shocking. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> Maybe Obi. I don't know. Edwards also <laughs> he didn't do himself any favors. Maybe uh, Edwards did not do himself any favors by going to Georgia, who had very little talent, honestly, and a not good basketball coach in Tom Green. He went there because he likes Dwayne Wade and Oladipo, and he was like, "Oh, that guy coached Dwayne Wade and Oladipo," and it just didn't work. Like he had to take way too much responsibility on a team that didn't have any dribblers. Uh, they had one other guy who may end up playing in the NBA, Rayshon Hammonds, who's fine like a good athlete who can shoot a little bit, but he's not really like a – I wouldn't say he's like a legit prospect. He's a guy who will be – this is a normal year. He's a guy who would be on somebody's summer league roster and maybe get a two-way like Lewis King or somebody. But he's – um, yeah, and then he went – you know, the, also the fact that Georgia plays in the SEC and the SEC was really good last year. He just got his ass kicked a lot. He just got beat up. He got swarmed. He had trouble like holding – keeping his dribble when he got pressured a lot. The, the, the competition level – he couldn't. He couldn't just blow everyone away with his athleticism. So he really struggled sometimes. He took some terrible shots. Like he, he just really had problems. And like he had flashes where he was really good, but they seemed to be. It didn't seem because he didn't seem to be changing what he was doing. It just the shots went in, and like that's a dangerous. That's a risky player to take high. I feel like 
Yeah, that's how every Syracuse player who's been drafted in the lottery has gotten <laughs> has gotten him. That's like, yeah. I mean, oh, the, we, the Dion the Cup has been out there. Yeah, the yeah. Dion Winters Cup has been out there. I, I think that if you saw Edwards on the right day, like you know, obviously the Michigan State game is the one who points to Michigan State um, game was incredible. He went crazy, and if you if that's your lasting memory of him, you you would wonder why he doesn't go number one overall. And I get I get that. Um, but if you watched him game in game out. It was a maddening experience a lot of the time. Uh, defensively, I know he looks like a like a potentially good defender. Man, it's it's a it's a total mess. I mean, what do you if, think if of you, him defensively? I'll say this: if you if you put him in a half court with most NBA players and tell him like it's one on one, he'll block a lot of shots. Like he's a freak athlete. It's just like other than that, yeah, he's he played like a high schooler played would play defense. He just wasn't ready. I mean, do you think it's that that it can improve? Because that's that's a question that I certainly would have as a team I mean, in the top five. Is like, what's it going to be? Every rookie's defense. Every rookie's defense will improve. Right, but how much? Like, yeah, what, what's what's your projection for his defense five years from now? Is he going to be below average? Particularly, probably. Yeah, I don't think it's going to be anything. I mean, Zach Levine's like like Zach Levine will ever be good at defense. I don't think Antman will ever be good at defense. He is. He, I do think he'll probably be like a. Uh, very good weak side defensive rebounder, which is value. That's a defensive value because he will just get up and get rebounds on people. Um, it's really he's really disappointing in a lot of ways because when he's on, when he's getting out in transition and hammering on people, he's really fun. He's like he has a little bit of Zion's like like a guy that built like that should not be jumping and running the way he does, but he fails by one a not being as big as Zion and b not being a weird spot with incredible skills like he just is kind of a he's another guy i think he's gotten i think he hasn't fallen off despite his poor performance because he's easy to describe which is why i think lamello it's hard like that's why i think lamello has had fallen a little bit because he's a very strange player but like we said like like you said like i also said his lamello if he fails will still be good and if wiseman and and uh ant-man fail they like they could be really bad they could not be good players at all yeah, I, I really think that his, Edwards' floor is lower than people think that it is. Um, and that's kind of – very low. It, he looks like someone who, who wouldn't have a low floor necessarily. And, they, and, and he did produce, like, you know, counting stats in college. But part of that was role. Like you said, he was the only game in town there for the most part at Georgia. And his efficiency was not particularly impressive. Yeah, I think he, his range is super wide. I mean, it's – which is not what you want at the top, <laughs> at the top of the draft. I do think that – Given this draft, um, I totally get taking him in the top two or three, but I think you said earlier when we started talking about Edwards that he'd be like, you know, seven or eight normally for you. I think I've always said he'd probably be outside my top four or five in a normal draft. Last year, maybe a little bit higher because I mean, it wasn't great. Like my top five, my top four, but. Yeah, I just think that, I mean, if he's in the draft two years ago, is he a top eight pick? Like probably not. Yeah. And that that, that was a, that, that was that was a loaded class, but I just he's been, he, he's definitely benefiting, and so is Wiseman too. But I think both these guys are benefiting benefiting from this bad draft. And Edwards, I think also just because of the fact that you can see a world where he averages twenty five points a game, and that is appealing to a lot of people. That's just kind of the reality of that. But, the, but you can also see where he averages twenty five points a game, and he's still not good. <laughs> oh yeah, I mean, like and that's well, that's and that's a world player. that. But you know this, Brian. I mean, that's a world in which a lot of people just can't wrap their mind around the fact that someone who averages 20 points, 20 plus points a game may be not a good player. And that, that is, that's definitely possible. And it, it's happened multiple times before, but there's, there's a large contingent of basketball fan that just doesn't understand how that's possible. That it's someone who someone could score like that, but actually not be good. 
And that, that is a player look, that exists. Look at Tyreek <laughs> Evans after his second year. That's a good yeah. example. I mean, it's hard. It's hard. Like, I'll say this. It's hard. Player than any, any yeah, but I mean, it's, it's harder to do that now. T- to be fair, it's harder to score that many points now per game for a whole season or two and be bad because eventually teams are getting smarter and they're going to just stop letting you do that. But like, he's a guy who could on a bad team, like if he went to the Knicks or something, um, and was just like given the keys and said go score, like he he would score. It just wouldn't be efficient or productive, like or good. Like, I don't know. Yeah, it, it could be that could be ugly. Well, I mean, don't worry though, Chris Paul will be there soon to help them to solve all their problems. <laughs> yeah, and I Kevin mean, Kevin Knox was—he's going to any day now. You just yeah. wait. Uh, Kevin Knox. Um, yeah, I think we're we're pretty close to Edwards. I think he might even be lower than I am, which is funny because I think I've been a little bit more skeptical of Edwards the entire way. But um, I do think to wrap it up on him that if, for instance, like. I think I said this before, but if the Hawks were to trade up for someone, he'd be he'd be the logical candidate. And I honestly, if I'm his agent, I kind of I kind of always wanted him to go to Atlanta, not just because not because of the hometown thing. I don't really care about that, but just situationally, I would love for him if I was his representation to go to Atlanta. But I also see the other side of he's not going to probably average what he would average somewhere else if he goes to Atlanta. So there's I guess there's a trade off yeah. there. Well, if you're if you're an agent, the thing you want is a max contract on the, on the second deal. That's Fair. what you always want for a top level guy, and I think I think if you went to like Sacramento or even like the Knicks, I think you'd be fairly likely to get one, and it would be terrible for that team. But I think you <laughs> could get one. Um, oh, the other thing I was going to ask you, like, what do you make of his playmaking? Like, not for himself, passing. Like, if as a, as a number one option, he can get his own shot. That's his probably his number it's one appeal. Bad. But can he help? Can he make anybody else better? Like, if 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 he if he transforms, he's a guy who will. He's a classic guy who will make passes, and you'll you'll look like you see a highlight. You can probably find highlights of him making a bunch of passes, but then you're not seeing the highlights of him not seeing the other passes like 15 times a game, where he just ignores people and throws up a one-handed runner from like 18 feet from the rim. And it's it's just because he's he's just that kind of guy who's just like I'm gonna he's a score first guy, score first, score second. I think he could end up like having decent assist numbers, but like. As we found like raw assist numbers are not they're not telling a story like i'd be shocked if he was better than like well definitely like jamal murray but like even like a like this is gonna sound weird because he's a different player now than he was two years ago i think the kcp we saw like these last three weeks probably better than anthony edwards will ever be or at least not so much that the price, like at the price point you'd be getting them, it'd be very different. Yeah, he's going to get a bit content. Different, different players for sure. But I, I do understand, like the value proposition of that. It's just hard for me to see. It's not impossible, but it's hard for me to see Anthony Edwards as like a top two guy on an awesome team. He just. Has I to- think we're at the point now. I think we're at the point now where if you're if you're just if people describe you and you're a shooting guard, it's like what are you good at? You better be good at something. Yeah, even I mean, Booker. I- even Devin Booker can be can be classified as a guard because he has more playmaking skills. Like Bradley Beal is probably the only example in the NBA, and Bradley Beal was probably the worst defender in basketball last year because he had to take 300 shots a game. Yeah, I had Fred Katz like, on uh, recently, and he made that just just in passing, just like and Bradley Beal didn't and didn't defend all at all this year. <laughs> it's like, yep, he didn't. No, he, he, didn't he didn't defend. Yeah, it's not even fair to say he was a bad defender. He didn't 
and he didn't. just didn't do it. Yeah. There's no nothing there. No, there's a zero. And Edwards, Edwards defensively again. I would I want to pour people to watch a little bit of him, like and not just highlights. Like watch him for a half and like focus on him defensively. It really was quite bad for the most part. Um, there were some highlight plays for sure because he is a great athlete. He could, he'll make some plays, but uh, you know, play in, play out, positionally, off ball stuff, not attentive, not good effort. And I, I get it when you're when you're the number one option, but at a certain point, you got to flash a little bit more than he flashed. You need to be comfortable with that. All right, and this is Brad coming to you in post-production to wrap this episode up. Again, please subscribe to the podcast. Please check out Brian's work at Cosmos on Twitter or on his Patreon, which is also at Cosmos. Follow the show on Twitter at Locked on Hawks. Follow me if you'd like to at BT Roland. Please subscribe to the podcast. Please tell a friend about the show. Brian will be back at some point next week to talk about some more prospects, um, sort of running the full gamut of the top guys in the lottery. So stay tuned for all of that to get his opinion. And of course, go back into the archives as well for all kinds of wide-ranging analysis from tons of guests as well as my own stuff in the last several months. If you're a new listener, there's plenty to go back and listen to. So go, ahead, go back and check out, check out all, all that stuff with regard to the NBA draft. And we'll see you next week.